0: Welcome to Apostolic Perspectives, where the faith is raw, the exploits are radical, and the conversation is real. Prepare your life to be activated in the supernatural and your heart to be inspired to love as your host, Mike Brewer, shares stories from around the world. Enjoy today's episode and make sure to connect with us on all social media platforms. Hello, my friends. Welcome to Apostolic Perspectives. I'm your host, Mike Brewer. Guys, this is our introductory podcast. I want to introduce you to what you can expect coming forward. Why are we doing a podcast? Guys, coming from a lot of experience living as a missionary internationally for several years, my wife and I had an extensive work in Haiti. From there, we began to work in India, some other nations along the way, and today we are beginning to settle and establish a church planting movement in the nation of Cambodia. But throughout this process, God had us on an extremely difficult and challenging um, journey. When we moved to Haiti in August of 2009, we did not know that within a few days we would be facing uh, prison time. We did not know that within just a few months we would be down with malaria, sick, hallucinating. We did not know that just months after that we would be facing the devastating earthquake where over 300,000 people had died. It was through those difficult circumstances where we truly begin to learn to rely on the presence of God. His sustaining presence is what brought us through all of those circumstances. We had friends that would encourage us. We had friends. Uh, Um, spiritual mothers and fathers in the faith that would encourage us. But when we were in another nation, phone calls just were not enough. We had to learn to rely on the Holy Spirit. And that's going to be one of the primary aspects of this podcast is just continually directing you back to the sustaining Word of God and the intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Many people understand the Father, they understand Jesus, but then they think it's the Holy Bible. And as if the Scripture has replaced the Holy Spirit. I'm not diminishing Scripture in any way at all. Scripture is a foundational source of our revelation, but it is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that causes us to walk forward in absolute victory and absolute freedom through all circumstances, giving giving glory to God and exalting the Lord Jesus. So I want you just to expect rawness. I want you to expect um, a faith. I want you to expect Uh, challenging. I want to challenge you to lean in and to press in to God's destiny for your life. So many uh, people that I've mentored over the years, they just sit back and wait and wait and wait, and before you know it, a decade has passed and two decades have passed, and they're just waiting on God. Well, God has actually done what He is going to do. He has empowered you by His Spirit. If you will stand up, begin to move forward, begin to press into your destiny, begin to prepare for those things that are ahead, then you become a person that God will use. Um, having planted and or actually initiated the planting of several thousand churches internationally, one of the primary things that I learned was telling people to go do the thing that God has put into your heart. You don't have to sit back and wait for 19 different affirmations for different people or approvals from denominational headquarters or approvals, if God has put it into your heart, you want to seek wisdom, you want to seek counsel, but you go do the thing. Uh, I'll give you an example here. Back in January, some friends of mine, we went to the nation of Cambodia, and this was a an exploratory trip. We were just testing out what we felt God had put inside of our hearts. Uh, we did a couple of days of ministry with, I don't know, I guess maybe there was 50 leaders there and there was a woman that was in the training, and she had came from more of a um, a remote area, remote village, and she got invited by one of her friends, so she was there, and we were teaching on deliverance, Well, so she began to manifest the demon quite violently, actually. Um, the demon Python and the demon Buddha were two that were cast out of her, but one of my friends, Peter, was ministering deliverance to her, and there was very quick and violent manifestation, and she clawed the side of his face. I looked over, there was blood running down the side of his face where this, uh, where this demon had manifested. But anyway, he got it under control. He went ahead, he cast out some uh, the demons out of her. And we prayed, and Holy Spirit touched her in a powerful way. Well, she went back to her home. Now, we didn't know her circumstance. We, was the first time we'd ever met her. So she goes back to her home. And her husband had been an alcoholic for several years, and he would beat her just mercilessly, just continually beatings after beatings. Um, well, she was quite angry because she realized she had been beaten all of these years, and it was a demon. So she just went in guns blazing, not literal guns, of course, but guns blazing in and, and authority and power. And as soon as she saw her husband, she just started commanding the demons to come out of him. I mean, aggressively, the way she was telling us the story the next day, she went after this thing. She was angry, righteously angry, and she knew it was a demon, and that demon was going to leave in the name of Jesus. So she drove the demons out of her husband. Well, when the demons left her husband for the first time, he was open for the gospel. So she led him to Jesus. I mean, it was just an incredible story. She led him to Jesus. she come back the next day to the training. Um, her husband blessed her returning to the training. And, of course, this everybody in the family but her was Buddhist. Um, so she comes back to the training. She shares this incredible story with us. I mean, we're just all elated. Well, just some months later, we got a message from uh, some missionaries on the ground over there that she had planted a church in her home and had about 35 people come into this church. Now, this is an unreached people group, more of a very remote village, Buddhist in her village, and she has established a church. She is leading people to Jesus. Now, she didn't wait for anyone's approval. She didn't wait for somebody to tell her to do this. When she got set free, all of the confusion left her mind. All of the pain left her body. Her husband became a believer when she cast demons out of him, and she simply began to tell her testimony. And as she was telling the testimony, she began to open up her Bible. She began to tell the Bible story. She began to lead people to Jesus. So she plants this church. So now, some months later, we go back to do our first church planting training. And she's one of 40 something students that came, came to this training. Um, and during the introductions, she shared, and I was expecting her to share that she leads a church. She shared that she had started nine different groups in nine different villages. Absolutely incredible. She was someone that was touched by the Spirit of God that did not need man's affirmation, that did not need man's approval. She just began to step into that which God had given her, and she began to establish. So she was elated at the end of the training, talking about now she has some strategies to organize these churches, to set uh, proper order, and and also uh, to further multiply these churches. I mean, it could be the... The very seeds of a church planting movement there. Who knows what it's going to look like in the months ahead? But having led many church planting trainings all over the world, um, what I have seen, most people are not like this young lady. Most people wait. They wait for an approval for someone to do what God has called them to do. Now, please don't take that in a rebellious manner. I'm not saying that we don't operate under authority, we don't operate under counsel, we don't operate under elders, we do. But the biggest thing that we don't, we don't have to wait for those approvals. When I was first going to um, the mission field, my wife and I, uh, we, we, we had some opposition to our move. And my spiritual father at that time, in one of the meetings, he said, are you willing to do this if I say No. I mean, that was a devastating question to me because I had such a respect for, uh, for healthy, godly leadership. But I also had, my wife and I, we had such a deep conviction that God had called us to move internationally at missionaries. Um, I remember with tears in my eyes, my heart beating fast, I said, well, we would never want to do that. But if you put us in that place we must obey God rather than you. And that was a hard thing. And I remember I was so relieved when he looked back at me and he said, now, now that I know it's that deep in your heart, I can get behind you and support you. And I thought, oh, praise God. Because I felt like I was going to be in rebellion um, and didn't want to be. I wanted to honor. But, guys, you don't have to wait for permission to do what God's put in your heart. You don't have to wait for everyone to understand what God has put in your heart but please, in the midst of that, seek wisdom, and seek wisdom from those who have actually done these things. Don't seek wisdom from those who talk about doing these things. I think we have a big, uh, a big schism in the body of Christ right now. Um, there's so much revelation, and 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 much of which I believe is accurate revelation that's coming from a pioneering, prophetic, forerunning, anointing people under are understanding quote, how to do these things, and they're being first to market, if you will. They're putting these, this information out there. We're going to do it like this and do it like this and do it like this, and this new thing's going to look like this. But, guys, talking about it is cheap. And I don't mean disrespect to anyone, but talking about it is cheap. You must do the stuff, and then you begin to teach experientially from what you have learned you begin, to, uh, you begin to put forth an example that people can see, touch, feel, and experience what you're talking about. Because if you're only talking about it and have not actually done it, um, and, and you have not actually done it, then you're, then you're teaching people to just be hearers of the Word, not leading them into the fruit of doing, not leading them into this experiential journey with, with Christ. I'm not saying that we don't talk about these things, but when God gives us that prophetic, forerunning, revelatory anointing, we begin to see the things that are ahead. We don't just take it to market. We don't take it to the, the masses that are out there. We actually take it to an, an intimate, close knit team of other five-fold ministers and or elders, and we begin to share that with them. We begin to get the feedback. We begin to get the dialogue. We begin to to flush out the vision, if you will, of what is perceived that God is saying. And once you get the buy-in from that core team, then you begin to expand that out into your relational spheres. But that's that's what's next is your relational spheres. It's not uh, it's not the marketplace. It's not Facebook. It's not all of these other things. You can begin to drop things out there to to pique interest, sure. But but you don't just take it from revelation and dump it out into the masses. That's just not how God builds everything in the kingdom. It, it starts in a seed form and it begins to mature. It begins to grow. It begins to produce fruit. If if you think about a a lady. Uh, a husband and a wife and the lady has conceived a child. She knows that she has conceived many times. Her body begins to change. Or her body begins to have evidence that, that she has conceived. But even her husband is unable to experience that because she feels it deep on the inside. She feels it deep. She feels something changing inside of her. She can communicate that to her husband and he can, he can listen. He can try to empathize. He can try to support. But he's not experienced pregnancy. He cannot fully relate to that. But then, as as the her body begins to change and the baby begins to grow further and further on the inside, you're going to get that little baby bump going on. The husband can actually see the bump. The husband can actually touch the the baby bump, if you will. Um, he, there, there is a visual, there is something that is presenting that this thing that has been spoken about is actually true. It is actually coming forth. It's actually ever so slowly beginning to mature. But as she goes out out in the public, a lot of people, will, they'll not recognize that, that she has changed because they're not as familiar with her. They weren't familiar with her and how she appeared before, so they may not recognize that there is a baby bump there. But when she gets six months, eight months, nine months of of pregnancy, the child is maturing on the inside of her, and her body has drastically changed. At that point, other people that are not intimate like her husband, but other people, even, even total strangers, can look and say, you have a baby, you are with child, you are pregnant. And if she desires, she can say, oh, the baby's moving, give me your hand, and you can feel the baby move, meaning meaning, what is taking place on the inside of her has so changed her physical body that others can actually experience the movement. And, and that's what happens. There is a process of development, and there is a process of maturing, and there is a process of, of prophetic revelation that begins to change the body. But it doesn't begin to change everyone's body. There has to be that thing that was born on the inside begin to come forth. And when that baby is born through travail, through the, the, the bearing of a child, and, and every woman that's done that can talk about that experience. When they have gone through the travail and the joy has come out, and the baby begins to to cry, the baby begins to, to squeal, at that point, when they walk out of that birthing room, the others can actually experience this new life. They're no longer hearing about her. They're no longer hearing about how the, the pregnancy has changed her body. They're no longer having to experience the baby that is inside of, of the womb, that is inside of her body. But the baby has actually came forth, and others can hear it. Others can touch the baby. Others can look into the baby's eyes. Others can affirm new life has come forth. And, and that's what I want to convey to you today that sometimes uh, in, in charismatic Christianity, we can live in such a forerunning anointing of revelation that we literally become useless to the masses because we're always talking about what is to come, what is to come, what is to come. Sometimes there's wisdom in slowing down building that core group around you, building that, that council of elders around you, that pool of wisdom of spiritual mothers and fathers around you, and help you understand the timing to release that which God has put in you. Because sometimes we can speak so—we uh, can be so spiritually minded and speak at such revelatory levels— that, that the the normal person out there in the body of Christ literally has no idea what we're talking about or why we're talking about it. And, and people just begin to dismiss something. And what, what happens is through the use of many words and through the use of language, we are actually desensitizing people because they're hearing about something that they cannot relate to, they cannot experience, and something that we have not actually birthed yet. So, just want to throw out some some wisdom and try to get us thinking a little differently of how we handle revelation, how we handle movements, how we handle um, the birthing and the, the shift that is coming in the body of Christ. I absolutely believe that that we are in uh, a great shift in our generation in the body of Christ and I think that that we're, we're shifting out of a, a large mega, church mentality. Um, in my missional world, we're shifting out of a large crusade-type mentality, and we're going back to ministering uh, to, to many times in, in homes, in smaller family units, in more village-level ministry, if you're talking missionally, um, smaller scales. Because again, to birth a mass movement, you start with the few. And then it grows and matures to touch the many. But especially in the West, we have thought, oh, we will accelerate this process and we will gather the many to change the world, and it just didn't happen the way that we thought it should happen. So one of the ways, and, and over several podcasts coming out, I'll be talking about how we have how we have initiated movements that have grown to several thousand um Several thousands of churches that's planted churches, it's planted churches, multi-generational church planting. And there's some principles that I want to bring out to remind us, especially here in the West, to remind us what did Jesus do and how did He how did He do it? He is our example. And I know that you know this. Um, he is our example. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't do things differently. I mean, we're not walking around in robes, typically wearing sandals and going into someone's home and then washing dust off of our feet today. Culture change, applications change, but the core principles remain the same. The core principles. Jesus, he, he birthed the global church, and it has grown to be global or at least touch most of the the globe, but the principles by which he did that are still active and they cannot be bypassed. Um, We we have to shift our mentality from this large, large, large group mentality that success is in massive numbers and bring it back to ministering to family units. Um, Villages are changed one family at a time. Regions are changed, villages at a time, um, you know, and it grows out nationally from there. But so many people in the world of charismatic Christianity are talking about nations, 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 and they haven't even been able to disciple their neighbor yet. Um, so it's just absolutely delusional to talk on that scale when you've not discipled your neighbor. So I don't, I mean, I don't mean that uh, to sound mean, harsh, or critical but i want to um, i want to lay a scale in your hands and say calibrate yourself again because some of your language is just delusional type of thinking so we have to come back we have to return to the simplicity of the gospel the simplicity of the power of god the simplicity of models methods and flows that the normal everyday believer can walk in and if we're talking above people's heads. If we're talking in this revelatory realm and there's no practical application to it, then, then we're absolutely missing the boat. So anyway, welcome to Apostolic Perspectives. Um, I'm Mike Brewer. I look forward to sharing many more uh, of these teachings with you. This is just an introductory um, broadcast, so make sure that you subscribe and connect with us on our social media. God bless you guys so much. Thank you for being here, and uh, please share this on your social media platforms. Thank you God bless. for listening to Apostolic Perspectives with your host, Mike Brewer. We hope that you are blessed by listening, and we encourage you to check us out on social media at facebook.com slash Perspectives. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to keep up with all of the latest episodes.